This is Chad Harden, and when I listen to podcasts, I listen to the Comical Podcast. Welcome to episode 36.1 of Comical Podcast, coming to you after day one of the amazing Houston Comic Con. Uh, it was a pretty good day. We had some uh, good interviews. We went to a couple panels. It was it was fun. How was your day, Miguel? It was pretty good. I mean, I enjoyed myself. Uh, I got to meet a lot of different people. My hooves hurt, but uh, and that was all right. <laughs> hooves. <laughs> hooves, man. <laughs> yeah, my, my feet are pretty sore, too, but it was a lot of fun. It was worth it. Uh, we were there about... 10 hours or so, I guess. Uh, we talked to a lot of people. The uh, The first person we talked to, the one that we were, Miguel especially, was really excited to talk to was Mr. Chad Harden, the uh, artist on the current Harley Quinn series. I didn't come across as a stalker, did I? Maybe a little bit. No way. You're horse to creeping. <laughs> horse to creeping? <laughs> no, man, it was freaking awesome. This guy, uh, you know, he's been doing Harley, the new Harley series, and so I have a ton of books I need him to sign, and hopefully it doesn't charge me too much. No, nah, no, nah, you should be fine. But he did a really good interview with us. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about movies a little bit, TV shows, comics, the state of the industry. Just It was a great interview. So I'm going to go ahead and play that for you guys here. Enjoy it. Hey, guys. It's Justin and Miguel. We're here with uh, Chad Harden, the artist of Harley Quinn, among other things. How you doing today, Chad? Doing really good. You enjoying the amazing Houston Con so far? It's been a great show. I'm very happy to be here. Us too. Yeah. <laughs> it has been a lot of fun. Uh, you're here promoting Harley Quinn, as among other things. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you have going on right now? Uh, well, I'm just now wrapping up Futures End with Harley Quinn, which is uh, the, the issue where her and Joker get married. So this is every Harley and Joker Joker's fan comic that they're going to have to have, you know. And that's a lot of fun to work on. That sounds amazing. How, how awesome is it to work with Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti? You know, Amanda and Jimmy are just, uh, you know, two of the, the classiest people on the planet. I know, you know, Jimmy, he, he plays at being sort of this uh, street-tough Brooklyn kid, but, you know, he's a softie, and, and they're, they're just two of the greatest people on the planet. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Don't tell him I called him a softie, though. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it if he listens to the show. You know, I know he's a big fan of ours. <laughs> Um, okay, so one question I do have. The new design, the new 52 design of the costume, was that you or was that them? Well, um, uh, t technically there's a new 52 design, and, and, and that design is what they're using on Suicide Squad. Okay. Um, the look that she, Harley, has for our book, that's pretty much Amanda's look. Okay, Amanda came up, came up with that look. Uh, it was based on uh, her sketches, and then I've just sort of gone with that. But at the same time, if, if you haven't noticed, I mean, Harley's basically in a different outfit every book. Okay. So, I mean, you know, issue eight, she had the, the pirate suit. And Future's in. She's in her wedding gown, you know. Uh, she's got a roller derby outfit. She's got... That one's really cool, too. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, and, and you know what? Uh, girls like to dress. I mean, I, I'm a father of three daughters okay they like to change outfits every 15 minutes you know so this you know i think it's a very accurate portrayal of what girls do you know and so anyway it's a lot of fun though it's a lot of fun to actually uh you know get to design something new every week and and i'm very happy um i you know i grew up on the animated harley and so like my default harley mode is the bruce tim animated series i mean that's 
that's my residual self-image of, of Harley. And um, I don't know who designed the new 52-1, but I'm happy I'm not, I'm not drawn. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think Amanda's sensibilities are much more in tune with, you know, what a crazy girl would wear. And, um, and I'm just thankful there's, I'm not drawn that Elizabethan whatever pizza collar thing that is. You know, I, you know the, the dog collar, you know, you know wh whatever that ruffle thing is, you know. And then, you know, we, we lose the cape and stuff like that. Of course, with the Power Girl issues, she's going to have her own unique uh, superhero costume. So um, there will be a cape with that. But for the most part, I'm very happy with the way she looks in her bug. Awesome. Well, Miguel is actually one of the biggest Harley fans that I know, and he's a big fan of the Bruce Tim look as well. So, Yeah, I was just about to ask you that question. Old school, suicide, or this one? So for you, it's probably old school, yeah. yours, and then the suicide one. I think I'm going to be known for the look that, that she's in in the book, and I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. I mean, I'm not going to draw something I'm not proud of, you know. But for me, if, you, if you're asking me, you know, the, the Bruce Tim is is and will always be the the default harley look and then everything else is just sort of well it's like superman okay you know like the christopher reeve superman the 1970s superman that will always be my residual uh image of superman and there's just no change in it and then neil adams batman will always be my batman okay there will always be a yellow around the insignia of batman for me none of the you know and i think a lot of the kids today maybe they're growing up on the jim lee uh, image of Batman that Frank Miller sort of established with Dark Knight because I think Jim's a huge fan of Frank's look. But anyway, so for me, the Bruce Tim original is hard to beat. So, Don't get me wrong. I like your stuff. I love your stuff. <laughs> I'm pretty much buying anything and everything that comes out. Sadly, my comic book store, the way they do their stuff is first come, first serve, so I don't get out to the variant. So I wind up having to buy it somewhere else yeah. or trying to hunt it down. So I pretty much have almost everything. Yeah. And my big three are the Joker, Harley, and Batman. I like you, I like the old school Batman as well, but come on, no Adam West? No Adam West? <laughs> I, you know, uh, uh, the, I, I, I'm always a comic guy, first and foremost, okay? And when you deviate from the comics, it, it's a deal breaker for me, okay? So no, I was never a fan of the, of the television show. I was like, what is, I mean, as a child, as a four-year-old child, I'm like watching this get infuriated, you know? I'm like, this is crap, you know? And, uh, and, and, and even in movies and stuff like that, if, if they go away from the comics and the movies, the further they deviate from the comic, the worse the movie is for me. And um, so anyway. But a, lot, a lot of people feel that way. As a as a DC employee, maybe that's where I should stop talking about, <laughs> you know. But hopefully, the, you know, uh, I am very. I'll tell you what I am happy with. I don't know if you guys have watched Arrow or. Yes, we're huge fans of Arrow. Okay, so um, and, and and you know what, the DC animated movies. I don't know if you guys watch those. Those are like the best things ever. The Marvel ones are terrible, but the DC ones are all excellent. I think I own almost every DC one that's out there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, DC fans do have stuff to be happy about. I mean, their animated movies are just unbeatable. They really are. They really are. I, I've never seen a DC animated movie that I didn't love. And, and that's, that's a good thing. And for someone who's an artist and a cartoonist, to me, that's almost more important. You know, it's like, hey, let's get that right. And then, you know, obviously when you have big Hollywood get involved. You're going to have people, bankers, producers, uh, you know, some moron who doesn't know anything about the comic. They're going to come in and they're going to play interference. And, you know, Marvel's sort of lucky that 
I, you know, they, they basically, before they got bought by Disney, they came in and they took control of their properties. Uh, unfortunately, um, DC never had that advantage. I mean, Time Warner came in in the 70s and they've owned them ever since. But I do think it would behoove Warner Brothers to get a creative team from DC and put them in charge like Marvel has with, with their films. And I, if they would do that, if they would do that, DC films could just rock. I mean, they really could. But they have a lot of great characters to draw from, and they have a huge fan base that would support them regardless. So I don't know why it's taken so long to get that off the ground. Well, and I don't know. Like, you know, I do know that at one point, Joss Whedon was in charge of the Wonder Woman movie. Now, I don't know who screwed that deal up, but I hope they got fired. You know, you, you know what I mean? I, I hope that person is no longer involved with the company and they're panhandling on a, you know, freeway, uh, you know, exit right now. But, you know, so the potential's there. It, just somewhere along the line there there's a disconnect and um I, I think if you get you know some key people you know you know go grab go grab the people who who made you know go get mark wade go get mark wade go get you know the the super geeks that are still there still out there still worked on these books make them consultants for these movies and and then make some you know some and listen and listen to them yeah exactly exactly you know and well and you know and uh, you know uh jimmy and amanda like if you if if you're gonna make a, a a jonah hex movie you know why why weren't they involved you know what i mean i mean did you guys see jonah hex yeah okay, all right yeah so you know and, and it's like they they misunderstand comic book talent i think they're going oh well these guys write comics well if they knew how hard it w is to make a comic like all-star western last as long as it did mm -hmm. in in the current market i mean that should tell you that jimmy palmiotti is a, a genius you know right there you know he definitely is so remember how that was in the blackest night <laughs> that was crossed over in the i saw it was in the blackest night a couple times i read it a few times love your work i really do I think you're really amazing and i appreciate the follow on facebook and everything is, is awesome we treat every guest we get to meet we are in all of you guys. I mean, you guys do a great job, and we like we support you as much as we can. We buy easily what two hundred dollars worth of comic books every week. That's us, and then we read them all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. My question is: Are you going to branch off and do anything else other than what you're doing now? You know, um, I, I am not the best multitasker on the planet. So for right now, I'm just going to focus on Harley. I'm going to ride the Harley boat for as long as that Harley boat will take me. If that's 25 issues, if that's 50 issues, if that's 100 issues, so long as the fans still want me on it, I'll I'll keep doing it. And then, uh, you know, and then, I mean, all, all things come to an end, you know. I mean, you know, obviously it's not going to last forever. You know, when it when it winds down, you know, maybe then I'll start. I, I do have stories, my own stories that I want to tell. Um, and I think that's where... I would like to be next, but at the same time, it's like, you know, when you got a tiger by the tail, you just got to focus on keeping that tiger, <laughs> you know, you know, and, and right now Harley's, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone expected Harley to be the success that it, that it is. I mean, how many, he did, how, how many reprints of issue number one? Like, I think you're on six. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time that happened? You know, mutant turtles in the eighties, you know, I, you know, seriously, I mean, when was the last time that happened? So. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, when, when you get lucky enough to be a part of something like that, you don't cut off your hand to spite your face, you know, so you know, just, uh, you know, stick with it and, and get it done. Well, you won't be panhandling for a while. You don't worry about that. But <laughs> no, yeah, we always well, we talk about joking and it's the Harley is the DC version of Deadpool. 
and uh, she's, you saw how many people downstairs are. There's a guy, Harvey Deadpool's, and Harvey Quinn is what we're calling him, <laughs> dressed up there. But yeah, it's I love the character. Again, you do great work. Um, yes, there's six of them because I'm buying every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> you should hear me when they come out like, another one? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's more like, another one, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and it, it's so funny. I mean, there are times, and this is, this is another thing that I've begged DC to do, and they just won't do it, is to to do like a Harley uncut, like give us a graphic novel. Cause I'm, let me tell you something. You guys are getting the watered down Harley. Okay. All right. I mean, I, when Jimmy and Amanda send me these scripts, I'm rolling. I mean, I'm laughing so hard. I, you know, I'm sitting there reading the scripts. I'm laughing and maybe, maybe 50% of the jokes get through without alteration. That's a travesty. It, no, it is. It totally is. But see, the thing about it is, is, is they, they want the book to appeal to young readers. Okay, and 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 I'm all for all ages, but why can't we have like an uncut, you know, like a DVD, you know, you know what, you know, so you know you, you have the you have the version for the kids, and then you take you take a graphic novel, you know, give us a give us a week to go put that original dialogue in, and uh, and that's really you know a lot. Well, okay, there's one critique online that I didn't know how to draw poop, and I was so offended. I don't know if you guys read issue eight. You know, go, if, 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 if I just lost you in this conversation, go read Harley number eight, okay? And 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 uh, um, and I was like, I drew perfect poop all over the place, and they literally went and they they made my poop look not like poop because they were afraid that poop would offend people, you know. So I mean, th this is the type of this is the type of stuff that's going on. You know what I'm thinking about. The the contest they had the sketch they had to draw mm -hmm. was it the uh, help me out here for Harley Zero where they had the two pages that people could submit f for the suicide thing in, yeah, the, in yeah. the tub and people got upset about it. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know that that okay that was just sort of a perfect storm. You guys read issue zero, mm -hmm. and you know she's breaking the fourth wall. Yes. Okay, and so the whole thing about it is is in issue zero she's supposed to be picking her artist. Okay, and the joke is is that it would be equivalent to committing suicide to let someone who's never done a book do a book like Harley Quinn. So that's the joke, okay? But what happened is, for whatever reason, and I think they were just rushing, okay? I don't think anyone meant, you know, any slight or anything like that. They were just rushing, you know? And uh, what happened is it just, it just sounded horrible. But like, if you know the context, it, it's perfectly fine. I mean, it was really, I mean, it, you know, if you know what's going on, it really was a misunderstanding. And and here's the this is the thing that upset me is there's sort of a trend right now where people just have what I call social activism, where they get outraged online and they really don't care. And and I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but in issue three, I, she's in the bathtub and I drew her all the toasters around the bathtub. Did anybody even did anybody even notice that? I noticed that. Okay. All right. But see, here's the thing. Where were the social activists? Nowhere. Because they don't even read comics. They just wanted to be mad at something for that week, and that's what they were mad about. Newsarama, Newsarama turned them on to it, so they had something to bitch about it. But if Newsarama didn't mention it, there's nothing they can say. Well, and, you know, I don't know why they call it Newsarama. It should be Marvel-Rama. I mean, every, everyone knows that Newsarama just has a stiffy for Marvel <laughs> books and I mean, I mean, seriously, like you read their press releases about Marvel and it's like, oh, aren't we excited for Marvel? Isn't this great? And then it's like, what do you think about DC's books? You know, and it's just like just their attitude. It's like, come on. You know, I mean, and, and the thing is, is I think, you know, 
for the most part, a lot of journalism is dead, you know. And uh, I mean, we get that we get that in our in our national news. You know, you can't turn on a news station without there being a bias, and it's the same thing with comic sites. You know, well, there's always been the big debate between Marvel and DC yeah. with most most fanboys, but the truth is, there's a lot of great great books from every publisher. Yeah. So it, it's yeah, stupid it's, to argue it. Is, it is totally stupid. It is totally stupid. But some sites do have that bias, and Newsarama is one of them. So. Don't worry, man. We got your back. <laughs> All right. Well, I I hope they don't listen to this. <laughs> you know, how many people can we offend in this show? Let me see. Uh, you know, who's next? Um, no, but seriously, you know, and 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 who knows? It could be like one or two people, but uh, it just seems to me that that every time I see a newsarama story about a DC book, it's like they've already before the book's even out, they've already made up their mind. And, with Harley, that was the thing that really upset me. I was just like, you know, just read the book. Before you hate something, try it. Okay? Try it for what it is. You know? I mean, there's so many people that, like, they'll hate something because it's not what they wanted it to be. Like, how silly is that? Go, just go experience it and then make up your mind. Don't make up your mind before you go in, you know? And uh, that's something this generation's really bad at. Where, you know, they make up their mind. They hate something before they even before they even understand it. By the number ones and the level of books we pick out, we try everything. <laughs> when we're picking up books that no one's even heard of them, like, hey guys, y'all should check this book out and people go pick it up. But yeah, we read everything, especially yeah. him. Yeah. He'll go out and pick up some random, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> so you read it and like, oh my God, this is really good. Yeah. <laughs> he takes some convincing sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll give it a try. I just have to tell him it's good first. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I agree 100% wholeheartedly, so. Well, thanks, Chad. We appreciate talking to you and uh, we look forward to more Harley. All right. Well, thank you. I'll uh, I'll keep drawing them. You guys keep keep reading them. We will most definitely. We'll definitely see me ordering stuff from you if you have any stuff you want to sell eventually, like you know any art or whatever. You'll probably see me buying and see a guy with a horse head. That's me. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. Later. Yeah, that was an awesome interview, right? Oh, it was great. He was like so cool. He's telling us so much stuff. I was a really funny guy. I made the reference. He looks like a wrestler that my kids love, and he actually got that because it's been told to him before. Uh, but yeah, he's got the big show. Yeah, the big show. He's got a lot of energy. He's a great guy, man. I can't wait to see this guy draw even more. Uh, just all around good dude. Yeah, he was. And, you know, I got him to sign my books. Miguel didn't bring all of his stuff today because he didn't have time this morning. He was scrambling to get stuff together. But hopefully tomorrow. Hopefully tomorrow we can get him to sign some stuff. Yeah, I got I got a whole box. <laughs> we'll see how he looks at me when I ask him. Yeah, here, can you sign my 27 books? <laughs> Stalker! <laughs> So anyways, after that, we wandered around a little bit. We took a whole lot of pictures, which you can find on our Twitter or our Facebook. Miguel was walking around with a horse head this time, so he was portraying Lord Horse Cleese. Uh, we had some funny pictures, too. I mean, Bri-Fi Podcast was there. There was one picture of him chomping on you. It was pretty funny. That sick bastard. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, a lot of people wanted to take pictures with me in a horse mask. It was kind of crazy. I never felt that before. I'm a popular. The best thing, though, is that we found a girl who was wearing a horse to please unicorn mask. <laughs> horse to please? <laughs> that was kind of funny, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, so that was, that was nice. It was another person wearing a horse head. Did you make her a minion? No, I forgot to make her a minion. Damn it. How did you forget to make her a minion? I don't know. I was too busy th thinking about it. It's already, it's like another personality, but it's horse to please. So it's just part of the same horse to please thing. So she couldn't. Okay, look, you can't have like horse to please, horse to please, horse to tease, horse to whatever you want to call them. You can't have that many minions of the same guy. Horse to tease. Who, who is that? <laughs> Did you just give yourself a new one? No, nah, that was a slip. <laughs> that was a slip. <laughs> it still counts. <laughs> that would be you. No. Uh, so after after we did a few uh, pictures with some people, we wandered around. And we ended up talking to a local artist who's a friend of Jesse Jordan's named Ben Humanick. Uh, he's doing a few smaller print uh, comics. 
Uh, one of them's Reunion. He handed us that one and a couple other ones to check out. But he's a good up-and-coming guy. I like his artwork. So here's that interview. Hey, guys. It's Justin coming to you from the con floor at the amazing Houston Con. I'm here with local artist Ben Hewinick. Uh, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, Ben? Yeah, well, I live up in the woodlands, and uh, I currently work as the communications director at a church called Stonebridge, but in my spare time, I do some small press cartooning and mini-comics, and uh, we're down here today with my friend uh, Josh McCormick, we're both selling some books that we've been working on. Tell us a little bit about your books. So, a lot of my books are Slice of Life. Uh, I've got one called Hollow Ferns. It's about a guy who thinks he's in the middle of the emotional apocalypse. He's got to figure out what's going on with that before the world comes to an end. Uh, there's another one called One of the Greats. It's about a Hispanic author who's aspiring to make it big. A guy comes back from the future and says, guess what, dude? You did make it big. Your book's a classic. And he goes forward to the future to like receive his accolades, and he forgets to write the book. So, it's about the fallout from that. That sounds pretty interesting. So it's kind of stuff along those lines. And then Josh has got stuff. Uh, he's got a, a superhero comic called The Raven, and he's got a romance comic called Pangeric that we did together. So it's fun. We're kind of trying to stretch our wings and do a bunch of different genres. I know Miguel always likes it when there's Hispanic heroes. That's right. You're pro-Hispanic then, right? Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Was it going to be con-Hispanic? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if you go to a con and you're Hispanic, you are con-Hispanic. Like, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. Is that a new, to- new term we're going to coin? No. <laughs> have enough names. Have enough names already. <laughs> no, that's completely awesome. But part of the part of the joy of being in the Houston scene is that it's really supportive. There are a ton of great creators here. We're sitting next to uh, Matt Gordon and uh, and Jesse Jordan, and they they've been really supportive as we've kind of gotten into this. Guys like Isaiah Brazard are here. Devin Kraft from over in Denton. Like we've just been really thankful for the way people have welcomed us into this environment. Yeah, Houston's actually a great place for creators. Uh, the community's fantastic, not only for comic creators but also for podcasters and pretty much any creative venue there's a lot of people that are in the same fields and always want to support you so i always like to do this i always like to talk to at least a few local guys and uh your books look pretty cool i mean i read the little short story you gave me right there reunion yep. it's pretty cool um where can people find your stuff yeah so i've got a tumblr page it's called hippogram that's spelled h-i-p-o-g-r-a-m it's kind of a lame pun on hipster and instagram but it really comes from a greek word uh that talks about tracing over something to, to do a creative act. And I think that's what creativity is. We're kind of made to sub-create. We've got a divine spark in us. Uh, and so we want to be people who create hippograms, who kind of trace that divine image in front of us. So hippogram.tumblr.com. All my comics are there for free. You can read them at any time. Awesome. Go check them out, guys. Thanks so much. Well, if my favorite local artist, Jesse Jordan, says you're going to be good and you're going to be good, then it's true. So, hey, I'm looking forward to seeing all this stuff out there, and good luck. Good luck, guys. Yeah, he's a nice guy. I like it. I'm looking. You know, looked at his book. It's pretty cool. Uh, I think he's got some talent, and uh, I think he's got he's got the stuff, man. He might be able to be pretty good down the road. He's got the stuff. That's right. He got the touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we talked to Ben. He was a really cool dude, and his friend was there too. But uh, his name is escaping me right now. I know I said his name in the interview. I just can't remember it now off the top of my head when we're recording. But uh, both those guys were awesome. And uh, after them, we walked around a little bit more, and we ended up talking to another local artist named Devin Kraft, who does a bunch of illustrations and, and stuff, and he's working on a comic book, and uh, he's some, some interesting uh, jokes to make. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty damn funny. Uh, it's funny how like, some of these guys we meet, we actually click pretty quickly with him, and he's one of them. Uh, he called me, uh, uh, didn't, he's supposed to make something for me, hopefully tomorrow. Uh, we were going to call him, uh, what was it again? It was a Gangster Cleese. That's right, Gangster Cleese. going to be Horse of with a Teardrop. Because you've murdered another horse, you bastard. <laughs> I'm a horse killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Devin Craft, pretty cool dude. Uh, so here's that interview as well. Hey, guys, it's Justin and Miguel coming from the con floor again. We're here with another local artist named Devin Craft, who's going to tell us a little about his stuff. How you doing today, Devin? 
Doing fantastic. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, so basically, uh, my main hobby is doing sequential comicking, independent comicking. Uh, I've done a comic called Dragon Slayer, which I've successfully kickstarted three times, which has been pretty awesome. Kickstarted issue one, kickstarted issue two, and then collected them all and just finished the Kickstarter, the collected edition. And then I travel around <laughs> Texas mainly. <laughs> I want to say America, but primarily Texas, uh, attending comic conventions and selling fan art and stuff. Texas is like half the size of America as a whole, so it counts. It's true, it's true. <laughs> so yeah, we've actually had a lot of uh, Kickstarter guys on the show uh, promoting their stuff. Do you have any other projects going on right now? Um, I'm about to start on my next comic, but my previous comic, Dragon Slayer, is just about to hit my Etsy store pretty soon, so that's the main thing. If, if I can pimp stuff, that's the main thing uh, I'll, I'll totally put a plug in for. Uh, and pretty soon I'll start the groundwork on my next comic, which... Uh, no no hard and fast timeline yet, because I don't know if I'll release it via webcomic or release it as a finished trade, uh, maybe 74 to 110 pages. All depends how the story shakes out. So That's cool. No, man, it's really good. I really like the way you draw things. It's really cool. Um, <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> I said, tell me more. <laughs> so you're going to bring him a My Little Pony cover to draw Horsicles on tomorrow, right? Gangstercles. Gangstercles is showing up now. <laughs> And uh, what's this concept going to look like? Uh, basically, he's going to have a tear under one of his eyes, minimum, as if he's murdered another horse. That's that sounds appropriate. So how did you get started? How, how did this all just pick up a pencil one day and say, oh, I can draw, damn. <laughs> horse murdering? <laughs> no, 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 um, no, no. Uh, no, it, it was a long, like, I'm, I'm the dumbest artist alive. That's like if I had a, a slogan, I guess, like, a, you know, a, and I'm loving it, if you will. Um, I'm like the dumbest uh, artist alive. It's taken me a really long time to kind of find my style. I started drawing when I was 14 or so. Um, it's, it's been pretty much a consistent struggle from then until now. In the last two or three years, I've kind of found what I'm going for and how I how I operate ideally. But I'm constantly playing with new stuff and constantly changing. So Cool. Well, if our listeners want to check you out, where can they find your stuff? Uh, CheshireCatArt.com is the best way. Um, and I'm basically on every social media, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Tumblr, it's CheshireCatArt, Etsy. So. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for talking to us. Awesome. No problem. Thanks for interviewing me. Not bad at all. No, not bad at all. He's got jokes. <laughs> he's a funny guy. Yeah, he's a pretty funny dude. So after that, we uh, rounded around a little bit more, talked to some of our friends, some fellow podcasters and stuff, and then uh, went to the Rob Liefeld panel, which they had in the, the main hall. There was like a separate section kind of quartered off for events. There was like a theater. Uh, it wasn't in a separate area or anything of the convention center. And uh, Liefeld got up and talked about you know himself and how he got into comics and how he created Deadpool and Domino and some of the other characters he's done and how he has like a lot of ideas for characters and just gave some all-around advice about the industry to people that were interested in coming into it. And then he talked about uh, when they moved on to Form Image Comics and all that stuff. And then he opened the floor up to questions. And we're hoping we'll be able to actually interview him. Uh, we didn't get a chance to today, maybe tomorrow, we don't know. But uh, just in case we didn't, I went ahead and recorded his Q&A that he did with the audience. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and put that up here now so you guys can get a taste of what Rob Liefeld was uh, promoting at the amazing Houston Con. It's pretty cool. Get a taste? What the <laughs> hell? I don't know what else to say. <laughs> here it is. Uh, start raising your hands. I'll do the best to burn through as fast as possible. Right there. 
Do you have any plans to do any My Little Pony material? If they get, if they contact you because of the My Little Pony phenomenon with the Brownies and Pegasisters and all that? Let me tell you right now, IDW, I'm doing a bunch of covers for them. And my daughter is a, is a My Little Pony fan. And I called them last week and said, let me do an I, My Little Pony covers. Because why not, right? Because nowadays, I look back and my kids love G.I. Joe and Transformers. And so that's why I do covers to those books. Because it's like, they did it. So I got three kids, two boys and a girl, so I guarantee you, my little pony, now the licensor may say, they hate my help, and that would kill all. But uh, true story, I pissed off the teenage, there was an editor for uh, DC Comics, only person ever screamed at, because she was a jerk, and um, she runs the Teenage Mutant Insurance license, and she vetoed me, no life help. So sometimes you make mistakes. So I don't know, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try. Who else? Who else has a question? Uh, I'll get to you, but I'm gonna get him in first. What do we got? Stand up. Stand up. Come on. Let's see your hands in place. All right, let's go on. What's your question? Okay, my question is: As an artist, should I focus more on just putting energy on the page? Should I focus more on just putting stuff like that? Okay, what do you think? I look at portfolios all the time. The number one thing, any artist, any aspiring artist in here, you got to tell a story. You have to tell a story. Um, the one thing that I have banked on my whole life is I'm a good storyteller, flat out in the story. And the guys who I emulated are good storytellers. Um, a, a, a young lady brought me her portfolio last night. She uh, draws magnificently. The tips I gave her were on storytelling. Um, and you can't just do a fight scene. They want to see a guy behind the desk uh, looking out the window, something flies by, takes his clothes off, has a costume, jumps out the window, and then start the fight. But tell a three to four page story, but um, uh, don't cheat. You, you gotta show those figures in motion. Don't turn the lights off and make it shadows. The editor will know that you're cheating. So uh, do that after you've been in the business 10 years. Uh, when I was a kid, John Byrne was my favorite artist. And some of you guys are gonna remember he did an issue of Alpha Flight where there was a snowstorm. And for four pages, it was blank panels. Blank panels. You can go get it right now. It's Alpha Flight 6. White, 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 white. I'm like, that guy, that guy, that guy got paid for that. And then Brett, I got paid for that. And I always tell my wife, I've never done the snowstorm, but I may do the lights out. <laughs> black, 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 Turn the lights out on page four. Don't do that. You gotta bring in first. Okay. Question over here. Ready, ready. Sorry, man. What's your question? I was gonna say, uh, I feel like the Daniel Way Deadpool that he did was kind of like the Chris Claremont X-Men. I wonder, what do you think of I don't. Have you read his stuff at all? I have. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, but here's the deal. All, Fabian is my favorite Deadpool writer. Um, I, I asked him, Scott Lebel uh, is at this convention, and Scott Lebel and Fabian were both uh, working in some capacity at Marvel at the time, and they were both like, Rob, let me do New Mutants, Rob, let me do X-Force, because I had to pick which one is scripter. I liked them both. Um, sorry, Scott. I said, I'm going to say yes, yes to you, Fabian. Here he comes. Oh, crap. You know it's true. You know it's true. Scott got the X-Men dig instead. We came as close, me and Scotty. Scotty would be getting the dead blue checks if I picked him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're welcome, Fabe. Wherever you are. Okay. Um, here's the deal. Yes. Um, the thing is, uh, the great thing is, um, they got Deadpool riding rainbows now and, 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 and hopping on unicorns. And if that's your thing, uh, they also have Deadpool killing Dracula. And then they got Deadpool fighting zombies. And then they got Deadpool fighting with X-Force. So what I tell people is they got a Deadpool for everyone now. I think they just throw a dart and go, Deadpool, you know, on dope. And 
Boom, let's do that next one. Deadpool underwater in Atlantis. I mean, he's a great character because he fits all things. And, and kids love him, and adults love him. I get people who go, he's not as violent and serious as I want him to be. But I think uh, that Deadpool X-Force they just came out is more like that. But I mean, I know people, I, I don't want to take away, Daniel Way has great fans. I like the Gary Dugan stuff myself, but Fabian's my favorite, so. All right, you're here, what's up? Uh, one question I've always asked, it's like, it's like you and Fabian said Deadpool, his voice sounded like gravel. What, what does he sound like in your head? Well, now he sounds like Ryan Reynolds. I mean, you can't unhear that. You can't unhear that. La, 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 la. So, uh, things change, right? If, if they hired Vin Diesel to be Deadpool, he'd sound like Vin Diesel now. And, and there's other, it does all the voices for the video games, right? Um, you know, so, I mean, they've given him a high pitched voice, and I don't think we're going back from that. So, things change. Um, who else? Back, back here. All right. What's up, buddy? Do you think an artist should go to college? Well, most of the artists I know did not go to college. So my answer to you would be no. But, <laughs> but, if you wanted to go to college, as a parent, I have children, they are going to go to college. They, I'm going to be like my dad or my mom. You need to go to school, Robbie! But I didn't, and I bought her a house. So, <laughs> it, it couldn't hurt, but you don't have to. What's up, buddy? Alan Moore on Supreme and what was it like working with him? Um, Alan Moore, as you know, uh, is, a, is a worldwide phenomenon. And uh, at the time, I was running Extreme Studios. Uh, it was very strange. He called us up and said, uh, oh, 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 he talks like a freak. Um, I have three hours I taped of him talking to me that someday I'll release. That's, I mean, we actually start giggling like little girls because he had just seen Pulp Fiction. And he was amazing. He was totally into Quentin Tarantino. And uh, so we were talking, but I was over in the British voice. I wouldn't do that. I'll, I'll just translate. He said, Rob, I like Supreme. I like that kind of Superman character you have. He said, uh, you should let me do him. And I was like, uh, yeah, done. So then uh, he's like, and you've got this Teen Titans. I mean, Youngblood. And I'm like, yeah, that's, they're more like the Avengers. No, they're not. And I'm like, uh, okay. I'm going to do like Teen Titans. I said, okay. If Alan Moore walks into your house and says he wants to, you know, write down the grocery list, you let him. Um, so, yeah, and he worked for me for, uh, like, three and a half years. And I'll tell you a funny story. There's a Supreme book out right now that you can buy right out there by another genius British writer named Warren Ellis. And he was talking to the editor-in-chief of uh, Image Comics, Eric Stevenson, who uh, ran Extreme Studios with me. And about six months ago, Eric said, yeah, you know, because people, people hold that Alan Moore run of Supreme just in such high esteem. Like, no one can ever follow it. And Warren said, oh, screw that, I'll follow it. Let me do it. And I said, that's how it went down. He goes, exactly. Warren wants to write a better art than Alan Moore, so go British competition. Supreme keeps benefiting from it. You know, maybe next Grant Morrison will call and he'll go, hand, 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 hand. I can't understand a damn thing he said. He pulled me apart at a party in San Diego. He said, I'm like, what the hell are you saying to me? I don't know how the, he talks crazy. He, he needs a translator, and I love you, Grant, but you know it's true. Um, Dan Bull, what's your question? How do you come up with your characters? You know, I always start with a name. I would always, a kid asked me earlier, uh, 
Look, uh, people, I came out, there's a Clint Eastwood movie called The Deadpool. It was the last Clint Eastwood movie. And I know exactly what row I sat in at the Fullerton AMC in Southern California with my buddy at the 10 o'clock show, and I go, The Deadpool, it's two words in the movie. I said, that's a cool name. Went home, wrote down Deadpool as one word, drew that costume up, and said, file it away, file it away. Uh, my parents back in the 80s, Ford made a car called the Cougar. And I said, I'm gonna come up with a character called the Cougar. And he was in Youngblood. And it's stuff like that, dominoes. I used to hold dominoes and go, I love how it's black and white and the black dot on the white and the white, okay, all right. And then I came up with a girl who was all black and white and called her Domino. So it always starts with a name and then I build it out from there. So um, there's always new names, you know, new slang books. Some, there's gonna be some comic book called Selfie. I know there's some awful television show coming up called Selfie and that'll be canceled. So there's still an opportunity for uh, you know, a, a comic character called Selfie uh, or something like that. Or my kids always think, oh, the worst name ever. My kids put it on their Instagram, hanging with the bays. My blood boils. B-A-E. There's going to be some stupid character named Bay in five months. Uh, anybody got a question? Raphael. You're Raphael, right? You told me that earlier when I asked you which turtle you were? All right. Least, what is your least favorite depiction of Ben? Man, that's a good question. The question was, what's my least favorite depiction of Deadpool? I'm not going to do that. I, I love them all. Come on, that's be me. I love them all. All right, so anybody else got a question? Are you kidding me? I have, okay, the question is, have I seen any of the Deadpool video games? I have two sons. Um, and they uh, only fight as Deadpool on the Viacom game. And the cool thing, you gotta understand, I knew Deadpool was cool, because here's the deal, you don't, as a father, go, hey son, I'm so cool, I created this bitchin' character. You don't say that crap. You just wait, and the way it came about the first time is, uh, we were in San Diego, and my kids, five, five and, at the time, no, six and four, my two boys, and my daughter was zero. Um, and uh, they, we were walking up and down the toy aisles, and my dad said, Dad, can I get this character? And I stopped, and I go, is this a joke? Are there, are there cameras on me? He wants to get the black figure. I said, oh, yeah, let's get that, that's cool. Okay. And then uh, I bought that, I'm like, yes, son! And so we get home, and he's like, with the Deadpool, and then I think the other son broke it and he cried. Damn, we gotta get more Deadpool! All right, I get in the car, drove back because I spoiled my kids, and uh, drove and bought him another Deadpool. His friends came over, and so there's a Deadpool with one arm, and a Deadpool would get one, and they'd fight. And he's like, Deadpool's so cool, Deadpool's so cool. Oh, that's good, that's good. I, I'm not, I didn't ever say, Oh, son, you're a father. Let him enjoy it without the crap that dad had anything to do with that. Then uh, they got the Viacom game because my sons are into video games and they love the Xbox and the PlayStation. And like I said, I spoiled them, so I bought them both. And uh, uh, upstairs they're playing the Xbox and they got the, what's it called? Uh, Capcom. Capcom. And everybody comes over uh, and always plays Deadpool. And then finally one guy uh, was like, Man, do you guys know who created Deadpool? And I literally was like, Oh crap. And uh, they're like, Yeah, who's he? I wonder who he is. Luke, come with me. It's your dad. And, uh, but I'm gonna leave the room and go mow the lawn and, and you tell your friends so they don't freak out. And uh, the best part was uh, my sons thought they were really good at playing Deadpool on Viacom. And Robert Kirkman comes down to the house often because we're buddies. And uh, Kirkman said, so you got that new Capcom game? And I said, yeah, okay, he's less 
Since he moved to LA, he's less Kentuckian, but this is back when he had more of a twang. He's like, I'll play, I'll play kids. And he's like, all right, I'm gonna be Deadpool. And they're like, well, I'm a Deadpool. And Robert Kirkman kicked my kid's ass so bad, that fight was over. <laughs> so uh, then the other thing is, uh, they had that Deadpool R-rated raunchy game come out. I had to have it, but I don't play video games. I don't understand them at all. I watch my kids. And I told my wife, I said, I know it's R-rated, but come on. Go to the GameStop, walk up, it's five o'clock, we've had dinner. Can I have the Deadpool game? The guy goes, sir, I need to warn you. I see you have young children. This game, we got it returned all day long from angry mothers. This game is very raunchy. It has uh, semi-sexual uh, content. I said, shut up and give me the game. No, I need to, I said, shut up and give me the game. And then my son goes, my dad created Deadpool. Just give him the game. Okay. So I said, and he said, no, you didn't. And I said, I'm not doing this with you. Just let me buy the game. So I bought the game and I said, Google Rob Life, I'll be in the car pulling out when you realize, okay. So um, we got home and uh, my son played it. I'm like, okay, okay, we're good, we're good. Okay, level two, we're good, we're good. Okay, level two. Oh crap, turn off the game, turn off the game. When Deadpool reaches for the girl's breasts, my wife would kick my ass if she knew that happened. I said, okay, son, thank you for playing the game and let me have the game and let me lock up the game and we play the Deadpool game. So, uh, the funniest thing was, uh, you know, the same week they came out with the R-rated raunchy uh, Deadpool game that made moms mad. I, I got it, you know, someday Marvel can explain this to me. Dear Marvel, what is the logic of putting out the R-rated Deadpool game on Tuesday and airing Deadpool on Spider-Man on the Disney Channel on Sunday? Uh, there's an entire episode of Spider-Man dedicated to Deadpool. So, that so that they can get excited and run in and have GameStop say, STOP! You may not buy it. That was a drag. Um, so there's a video game question. Sorry, I took too long answering that. Anybody else got questions? All right, Captain America, I'm coming to you. Yes, yes. Bonus points if it's not a Deadpool question. It's not a Deadpool question. Um, I've noticed like making submissions now is like, kind of difficult. So how do you get noticed now and get your first one? Okay, I'll be honest, it's easier now to bring in the comics than ever before. If you have talent, you can broadcast it worldwide by doing this. A button, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I, I have hired so many talented people from Facebook. Um, Marvel and DC both have their portfolio reviews that they do. But if you're talented and you can get the world to see it, you're gonna get the job. Um, but again, you gotta tell a story. Uh, drawing a nice posed picture of someone, that's not gonna happen. Uh, Deadpool leaning with a sword is not going to get you a job. Um, Deadpool fighting ten ninjas on the side of the building and falling all the way to the street and getting hit by a car will get you a job. Um, that kind of stuff. But I, I, I honestly now, uh, DeviantArt, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, dude, I've had people say, look, life, I'm my work, Twitter, boom. I'm like, hey, you're hired. That's happening. So, uh, who else, who else, who else? I'll come over here. Thank you for being patient. What are we doing here? What's up? Did you have any input on the new profit? What's your thoughts on that? My input on the new profit is yes, that's good. Uh, the new guys, when I'm, here's the deal. When, look what happened to me. I was hired to do New Mutants and X Force, and they let me do whatever I wanted. You know, today's comics are different. Uh, pretty much no one at Marvel that works there now worked there when we worked there. There's like two guys. But at that time, it was like, let the creators run. Now, as you know, the comic books are more corporately owned, and they sit around and they have what I call harumph harumph meetings. Harumph harumph. 
What should we do next week? What should we do six months from now? What's our new crossover? How do we funnel everything through that? Uh, that bores me. Hire talented people and go, go. Make them do crazy things. I mean, Cable, Domino, Shatterstar, Warpath, Feral, um, Deadpool, the, the Strife, that all fell out of my head. They benefited from me. When you see those products, they're making money. I also am very happy. But um, they, uh, that was a good you know, thing that we did. Jim Lee, same thing. Nowadays, it's very much, let's just manage the portfolio we have. Let's not expand it. But uh, when, I, when people come and work for me, I try and let them do their own thing. Brandy Graham, genius writer and artist, brought, does a book called, for, for me called Profit. There's three trade paperbacks, three volumes out there on the show floor. You should buy it. It's genius. He called me up. Hey, Rob, you know Bad Rock? That big rock character you created? Yeah, I'm going to turn him into a planet. Is that okay? Yes. He can tell you. And, and I think he was stunned. Like, what's the deal? Michael never turns me down. I said, why would I hire you to manage you? I'd let you go. Warren Ellis, in the first screen that he wrote, there's a guy who may or may not be Sprint walking on the beach with the girl, and he has the steel mask on. It's like on page four or five, and she goes, why do you wear a mask? And he says, I don't wear a mask. I don't have a mask on. He clearly has a mask on. And I'm like, I love this book. I, what do you mean? I'm not wearing a mask. What? Like, I'm like, this is genius work. I'm working with geniuses. Now, you know, maybe another company would be like, we need to explain the origin of the mask. And we need to ex explain why this mask exists on his shoulders. Let him have fun. So, image independent books are more for fun. I've been working in Columbus 27 years. I don't want to be managed anymore. I just want to have fun, you know? So, and I let, and I, I let creators do the same thing. So, uh, any more questions? Right here? Are you from Frozen? Uh, oh, okay, I don't know. I, I can only see your thing. <laughs> You're obviously like a very successful like character creator. How often do you think you create a character that you think is really good that doesn't become successful? Wow, good question. How often do I create a character that um, I think is going to be great that doesn't come, become successful? Well, there's Gideon, like I mentioned. Um, I thought he was going to be a great villain. Uh, it had, you know, not everything sticks. Not everything sticks. Um, when I made my own studio, I created like hundreds of characters. And, um, you know, to this day, let me tell you, let me tell you a story. In my long box, last summer, when I, in 1985, 1983, 1984, there was a comic book that I bought called Rocket Raccoon. And back then I bought triples of everything, triples, doubles. I got four rock records, and last summer, when I cracked the box in my garage, and it's saying to me, oh, I'm like, oh crap, because I knew they were making Guardians of the Galaxy, and I'm like, Rocket Raccoon is gonna be worth a lot of money. And like my retailer buddy said, Rob, 10 years ago, that's 30 cents. Today, $60 a pop. Rocket Raccoon has been around for 40 years, but four weeks ago, he became a global icon. So you never know what piece of charcoal is going to end up being a diamond. You just don't. Groot, I go see Guardians of the Galaxy, like the rest of you, and I take my daughter, who I normally don't take to comic books. I used to take her to Frozen or that awful Return to Oz animation that was out in May. Oh, worst thing ever. But um, I'm a dad. I'm like, hey, that was great. Libby. We love the Return to Oz horrible movie. Ah. But uh, she goes, I'm going to see Guardians, Dad. So we go as a whole family. And at the end, because I'm like, this is unlike anything my daughter's ever seen. Lights come on, I go, so Olivia, what'd you think? And she looked at me and she's 10, and she goes, we are Groot. <laughs> awesome! Now, let me tell you, that tree did not have a bankability at all. 
in the last 50 years. And now everything grew, right? So everything you create has a chance. It's like Jim Carrey at the end of Dumb and Dumb. So you're saying, I got a chance. So uh, what's up, buddy? Are there any other characters that aren't yours that you would like to work with? Oh my gosh, yes. And they're all by companies that I wouldn't work for. So, um, you know. I, you know, I'm old. I'm going to be 47 this year. I'm cranky. I got three kids. I don't want people telling me, you know, oh, this doesn't work. And uh, we need to put lining on this guy's costume and uh, give them all, you know, high collars. I'm over that. I just want to do my own thing. But, um, you know, if I could go back in time and draw everything Jack Kirby's drawn, um, yeah, sure. Like I said, IDW uh, I, and, and Dynamite, I just did a uh, Flash Gordon cover. My whole life, I've loved Flash Gordon. Crossed off the list. This year I did G.I. Joe. I did uh, Walking Dead. Robert Kirkman called me and said, hey dude, I need a cover for this convention I'm going to. You want to draw a cover to Walking Dead number one? I'm like, awesome. And I drew the crap out of those zombies. Because, I mean, unless Charlie Adler dies, no one else is ever drawing The Walking Dead. So you get a cover, you're good. But um, it's mostly the classics. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I would like to do the Star Wars characters. So maybe I should be nice to Marvel. What's up? Uh, I have a new book called Brigade that'll be out this fall. Uh, there, there was a Kickstarter for it. Thank you very much for, uh, for uh, offering it. The first issue will be free. So you can check it out. And it's got a bunch of the characters that I did from uh, my Image Comics days. And uh, hopefully you'll be entertained. Um, I try and put a lot of energy on the page and, uh, you know, a lot of new characters and new concepts, so hopefully you'll be entertained by it. Um, thank you for that. Uh, who else has a question? What are we doing on time? Are they going to kick me out? Gordon, so we got time. All right. Right over here. Quick origin question. Uh, was Cable always going to be Nathan Chris or Charles Summers, or was that something that just happened? No. Um, when I pitched Cable to Marvel Comics, I just said he's a time traveler. He's the smartest Reed Richards. He's got all these gizmos, he uh, makes all his own weapons. Uh, <clears throat> Wolverine cut off his arm, and if you, the first time he and Wolverine meet in 94, 95, or 93, 94, uh, Wolverine makes a reference that he cut Cable's arm. Um, but uh, since then, you know, they made him uh, Scott and Gene's son, and I mean, that's how it is. Uh, you know, I, I, bottom line, the character of Cable was generated by Rob Liefeld, and, uh, you know, my participation in it doesn't change. I mean, they can make him a cross-dressing, uh, you know, uh, serial killer, and he's still Cable. Um, but, uh, yeah, for now, no, that wasn't the plan. The editor, they liked it. You know, eventually, they're not happy unless they can buckle stuff. So, uh, it's worked out, so. Who else, who else? What area have I not frequented? Oh, I see him first. I'll go to you next. What's up? You know, uh, you'll notice that pretty much the only movies, superhero movies you see are uh, Marvel and DC movies, and there's a reason for that. Um, I do a lot of meetings. In Hollywood, a lot of my friends uh, are executives. They greenlight films. Um, I've been writing a couple screenplays that are very, very close to being um, moving forward. They're not superhero movies or science fiction because uh, I spent the last couple of years and I would go to these meetings and uh, I mean, again, they greet me. Uh, nowadays, the, the guys who run the studios are 32 years old, which means they were, um, you know, when I was uh, 24, they were 10 or 11. And I, when I walk into the meetings now, they have the X-Force Omnibus, they got the Youngblood Hardcore, it's like, oh, I'm such a fan, please sign this, oh, it's so exciting to meet you. And, we sit, and they're enthusiastic, we want to do something together. And then I talk to them about superheroes, and they're like, oh, uh, 
only Marvel does good comic movies. And uh, the flip of that is, somebody will call me up about Profit. Hey, uh, we, we like this Profit comic you're doing from Image Comics. Um, does it have any ties to Marvel? And you go, no. Uh, it's not even something you get angry about. They, there's only six studios now. There used to be ten or six. And Disney doesn't need any superhero movies. They got Marvel forever. And uh, Warner Brothers doesn't need any superhero movies. And Fox has Fantasy Four and all the X-Men. They don't need superhero movies. Um, uh, Sony has Spider-Man, which they shouldn't, but they do. And, I mean, they're gonna make Black Cat movies, I guess. Uh, but they don't think they need superhero movies. There's a reason there's not a Cyber Force movie, a Spawn movie, um, you know, a Dragon movie. These studios are scared. They believe truly that the only people that make good superhero movies are Marvel. And Marvel works because they take risks. We all know that. Fruit, Rocket Raccoon, it works. You know, people are so dull by the same old, same old. But honestly, that question was about movies and TV and my characters, and I don't even pursue it. Even television, you know, now that, I gotta be honest, I'm not looking forward to this fall. I know all you guys wanna see bad versions of your TV characters, or your characters on TV with cheap effects. That's not me. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't look forward to that stuff at all. Arrow works, because, He's like Daredevil, no superpowers, and it's good. And, but the more superpowers you have in television, I just go, oh, that looks bad. And my sons, they go, Dad, that's bad CGI. And I go, you know CGI? Like, they, they get smart. Kids, they're smarter than us already. And even they know when things look like crap. And I think Walking Dead is such a success because it's grounded, it's in the real world, and zombies look cool, and you can do them fantastically. But I'm actually not out there uh, pushing that stuff because, like I said, I've, I've taken a temperature. Now maybe the Cyber Force movie is going to be announced on Monday and no one will cheer louder, harder, and jump higher than me because that would mean that they changed their mindset. And the fact that Warner Brothers does one movie to every, like, ten Marvel movies is, does not put confidence in the other studios. Because they think, if they can't get it right, what luck do we have? Because I always say, I always call it Universal, Lionsgate, and uh, Paramount. We don't have superhero movies, but their Paramount just says, we have Transformers, Turtles, and G.I. Joe. So they think they have superhero movies. So like I said, it's not even something I, I, uh, I pursue. Now, Deadpool, X-Force, get made. I don't know if you guys remember, I mean, Stan Lee sold like 10 things that you're never gonna see, but when his name got hot, he, I mean, he sold something like the Cheetah Girl, like five years ago, and I'm like, the Cheetah Girl? But that's just like somebody said, oh, it's Stan Lee, it's hot, it's hot. But, uh, you know, Deadpool gets made, X-Force gets made, maybe there'll be an opportunity for that, but it's not something I'm pursuing. Um, any more questions? Uh, oh yeah, I said I'd come to you, wait, there was a guy over here. This guy, all right. You're a nice guy, I saw you earlier. How you doing? You look like a Viking. You look like a Viking, you need an axe. All right, <laughs> my question is, when you created Deadpool, do you think he's a smart ass because you were a young fellow when you made it? And if you made him now, would he still be a smart ass? Oh yeah, no, no, okay, here's, here's, people ask me this all the time, and for the kids in the audience, here is the story behind Deadpool. I've, I tell this at every convention. Okay, I'm gonna sit down over here. Um, here's the deal, again, I mentioned Todd McFarlane, I hope this doesn't collapse, that'd be funny. Um, the uh, Todd McFarlane uh, would call me up, and he would say, Bud, the first time I ever met Todd, he was already in the business for five years, and he'd say, you're trying to get the arms right, and you're worried about your poses, and I'm putting more details in the background because I've already mastered that. He was a, you would call him a shit talker, or a taunter, 
Um, if you know, if Todd was a quarterback or a linebacker, holy crap, the crap we would hear if he was mic'd up. Um, but he used to call me up when I was doing X-Force and New, New Mutants and go, buddy, I feel bad for you. You're drawing seven teenagers with their faces. And you gotta line the eyes up and the nose and the mouth and the ears and draw the hair. In the meantime, I get to draw Spider-Man, which means I draw a big oval and some big eyes, and I'm done with the page. Done. And I'd be like, crap, and then I'd get like the next year Spider-Man, I'm like, there's that damn page he was talking about. That whole page is Spider-Man's face. The whole damn page is just one giant Spider-Man page. But he used to tell me, bud, while you're drawing faces, I'm drawing webs. And so when they gave me the assignment, I'm like, here it comes, baby. I'm gonna stick it to Todd. I got my Deadpool name, and the Deadpool character is gonna look like Spider-Man. He's gonna be red, he's gonna be black, big black eyes, a little white, I'm gonna get Todd. So I called up Todd, I said, my answer to your Spider-Man is coming, buddy. And you're not gonna be the only one that does the big oval with the big eyes. And you know, a couple of times I was like, awesome. And then there's a page where Deadpool's fighting Cable and Cable's face is as big and everything else is Deadpool, Deadpool, Deadpool. That page probably took me an hour. So I got what Todd was saying. Because mass characters are cool. And uh, that was, the whole idea was when I pitched him to Marvel, because they, they always needed a justification. I said, this is, Bad Spider-Man with swords and guns. And I even said to Todd, I said, my Spider-Man has guns and katanas. So let's see how that works out. And it worked out okay. Um, but the whole idea, and Fabian and I talked, he'd be a smart ass, a bounty hunter, uh, uh, a mercenary. And uh, so that, that that's worked out. Thank God he's not the son of uh, Gene and Scott somewhere in the future. It, it, it's, and I told him, he, the other thing, they did a backstory, and I again, I was affected by movies. Some of you may have seen the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, and it's called Twins. And uh, I love, in the third act of the movie, they're finally together and they're meeting the doctor, they put them together, and uh, they say, well, you're all the good stuff, and he was all the bad stuff. And, you know, Schwarzenegger goes, he's all the bad stuff? But I said to Marvel, I said, hey, you always call Wolverine, Weapon X, Weapon X, Weapon X. That means 10, right? Yeah, huh? They confirmed that, okay. I said, have we ever seen weapon one through nine? No. I said, Deadpool's weapon nine. He's the last one before they got it right. So he looks like crap. Like, he's messed up and he's pissed. And they're like, Rob, that's genius. I'm like, well, you called him Weapon X for a long time, so I'll be the first one to walk through that door. <laughs> weapon nine! Um, I'll spoil, if they ever do make the um, Deadpool movie, something you don't know, uh, one of the main catalysts, that X-Force number two that you guys all get me to sign, um, well, skyrocket in price, even though there's a million of them. Because uh, the main catalyst, the main uh, bad guy or opponent to Deadpool in the movie is Kane, who is uh, the new Weapon X in X-Force. And uh, I'm telling you, it's fantastic. Just like in X-Force 2 when his hand flies off and grabs Deadpool, his hand flies off, he's full-on cybernetic guns coming out. It's the, the Deadpool screenplay is fantastic. You will laugh. And the action is fantastic, um, and a lot of X, a lot of X characters in it. That, that's just one of many that I'm. I'll spoil that one. Um, okay, I think I. How, how many questions? I got three questions left. Anybody? Uh, anybody? I'll just go to you. Your arms up. I'm drawn to you. Yes. Is the screenplay for uh, Deadpool the movie going to be like an R-rated kind of thing? Or? Okay, they wrote an R-rated one. Let's get back to studios and studio groupthink. Um, 
Here's the deal, that trailer that you saw is PG-13, it's not R. Some guy on uh, Twitter said, like, don't you nuts, that trailer's R. I said, it's actually not. He goes, they take off someone's head. I said, you mean like what Mace would do? Cuts uh, Jango Fett's head off and it bounces across the sand right into the lap of the kid? But we saw no blood? And when Wolverine gats 100 bitches and pulls out his clean blades, isn't that awesome? Ah, it's clean! Ah. <laughs> They're self-cleaning blades. Um, no, the, uh, the the Deadpool movie was going to be R because of all the uh, F-bombs. And uh, there's, there's a lot of language in there. But the studios don't like that because um, how many 10-year-old kids, 12-year-old kids, who's under 18 in here? See, none of you can go to see that movie unless you bought a ticket to see Frozen 2 and snuck in to see Deadpool, right? Um, the, the, the studios want your money. They know you play uh, Capcom. And they know that the R-rated video game didn't do good because moms were angry. Ask GameStop. Ask any GameStop how that movie, that game did. And they said, yeah, it was a mistake. With so many angry moms. So many. Um, so uh, the screenplay, they wrote one that's PG-13 that literally just cleaned up some language. You saw him take a head off. There was no blood. It was funny. You laughed. That's what you'd see in the movie. Um, again, Hugh Jackman has killed 300 people and has never had blood on him. Um, and they're not going to make an R-rated um, X-Men movie. They're just um, Okay, I think i got to wrap it up. Thank you for your time. Um, I'll be signing here today. Thank you so much. That was a little more than a taste. It's about 20 minutes. <laughs> He had a lot of energy, right? He's moving around pretty quickly with a guy flip flops on. Oh yeah, he's really high energy, and and he answered a lot of really cool questions. I was going to ask him about Wolverine Origins because you know how I feel about that piece of crap. But <laughs> nobody uh, nobody came over and handed me a mic, unfortunately. You froze up, man. I told you to put the horse mask on and stand up. Well, I, I kind of figured somebody else would ask that question anyways, but it didn't happen. Still, he answered a lot of other questions I had, which was pretty cool. And uh, you know, hopefully we could talk to him tomorrow and I can actually ask him some more specific things. That would be pretty awesome. Ah, you're going to get personal, are we? <laughs> no. What's your favorite color? Whoa. <laughs> Blue. Yellow. No. <laughs> so anyways, guys, if you're in Houston and uh, you want to go and check out the amazing Houston Comic Con, you absolutely should. It's it's pretty awesome. There's a lot of good creators there. A lot of people walking around in cosplay. And, and it's just a, a fun time. There's some good panels, too. I mean, uh, everything we went to today, we enjoyed. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot, of, Like I said, a lot of people took pictures with me. A lot of Harleys, a lot of Ivies, uh, a lot of Deadpools. Yeah, well, I mean... There's the guy who created Deadpool there and the current Harley artist. Can't really blame him. No, cannot. <laughs> so that's it. That's pretty much it for today, guys. We're going to go get some sleep because we got to get up tomorrow and do it all over again. Sleep. What is that? I don't even know what that is. No sleep in podcasting. That's right. <laughs> Keep on laughing, bitches. Bitches.